Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Welcome back to the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. This is episode 166, brought to you by iHunter, Canada's number one hunting companion. Today on the podcast, we have two-time NHL Stanley Cup champion and avid fisherman, Mike Richards. But before we get into the podcast, uh, we're just going to catch up here with Brennan and I on a few things in the outdoors. Hello, wife. (laughs) <laughs> Hi. Um, Brennan was recently home, which was really nice. We got to do some outdoorsy stuff together that we haven't been able to do for a little bit. And I don't know, it was just kind of good to be out there together. Yeah, it was nice. You know, we got to go out and do some stuff that I've been talking a mad game about for months and months, <laughs> it seems. And uh, yeah, yeah when, when when is he coming? Well, he was there and it's done and we, we had a lot of fun outside. Yeah, it was great. great. We got to do a little bit of uh, whitetail hunting, and you got uh, got to shoot your shoot your whitetail on your first your first night out. So I shot mine on my first night out, and you shot yours on your first night out. Sure did, little fella. Come out, and uh, as the uh, opportunist in me just kind of was like, "Yeah, I'm done. Whack. There he goes." So yeah, be was, done with that. It was nice, you know. He was a decent little buck, freezer buck. Um, I'm not too picky about stuff like that. And if it's uh, if it's an opportunity, I, I just, that mantra of don't pass up on your first day what you'd shoot on your last day. And mm. that's just kind of my uh, my thing with that, right? You just never know what could happen. So got him done. It was great. Yeah. It was a beautiful animal and just a really good harvest. Yeah, that was great. And then we got a little bit of, actually, we got to go out for Upland a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I was I was pretty excited. We got to try out our, our matching Badlands suit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so April and I match out in the woods. It's you know, there's a it kind of looks like I'm walking with a child, but it is uh, it's my wife. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, we have these. I think it's the Huron Upland. Is that what yeah. the yeah these fantastic Huron uh, suits that Badlands has. Uh, and you know, they got the blaze orange in them. They're fitted. They're just they're built for the for the brush you know like where chickens are going through some 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 crappy brush you know obviously Rosie crashes through a lot more stuff than we do but you know it was uh we had a really good time doing it you know we we were successful and uh you know not only successful but just really enjoyed being out there and and trying after them yeah like success can be outlined in a few different ways right like the success Mm -hmm. yes and there were a couple times when we got out and we got birds and success in other days where we just kind of went out as a let's go check this out and let's just have a nice time and go for a really good walk and if something good happens out of it then fantastic and if we don't take home a bird then that's fine too so success in different ways and you know each one was a success mm-hmm. in its own way so that was that's cool. right i got to use um i don't think you use this at all but we like brandon said we've got the huron um sets and so the pants there's there's the pants that go with the huron jacket and then there's also also what are called the brush pants and so both of those have um the sort of thicker almost like canvas material 
uh, you know, part way up the thigh and then all the way down to the bottom of the pant. And so those are like Bren said for, you know, walking through that rough stuff. But then I also have the Upland game vest. So that's mm-hmm. your, you know, up any Upland person would know kind of like your pheasant vest or your bird vest. It's, it's one of those. And I, I really like it. It's got a lot of pockets in it. It's got um, on the, on the side, on the hip side, it's got magnetic opening and closing pockets for shells. And I really mm-hmm. like that. And then it's got just lots of pockets in general in the back for all kinds of different things. So I carry around like a bottle of water, um, an orange leash for Rosie in case I need it out in the woods. And also my um, license goes in there, but that's all in a different pocket than where my birds would be in case they're all bloodied and stuff like that. So lots of pockets, really like it. What else? We've just been kind of... We, we we did pretty good. We also got out for a nice bird hunt. That was that was pretty good. Or a couple bird hunts, I should say. Got yeah. some waterfowl done. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's no fishing. Surprisingly, no fishing. That was, no, uh, we're in that we're weird. in that transition yeah. zone. That weird. Well, when I first got there, I guess the the sort of snow ice storm hit, and yeah. you know the shallow water froze up. And I mean, we could have crushed a boat in some of these bigger water bodies, but now nah, there was there was other fun shit to do. So. Didn't get yeah. any into any fishing, which is okay. We bought enough fishing stuff. <laughs> yeah, we bought enough things to. Yeah. <clears throat> and speaking of, speaking of going out and getting some fishing stuff, head on over to Harvester. Um, if you guys notice on their Instagram, they kind of give out their sales of the week mm-hmm. uh, on their Instagrams. So go out, check it out and go check them out on Mercy Street in Selkirk. You know, Sean, yeah. uh, go say hi to Sean. Tell him we sent you. For sure, if you're out in the, out out in that area, might be a mm-hmm. place that we need to go take a peek. There, the, the this week, obviously, that when this recording comes out, um, the sales will be over. But they, I noticed they have a sale for carp nets, which is kind of neat, and and mm-hmm. then a bunch of like other outdoorsy stuff, and so that's really cool. Interesting items uh, that you might not find at some other stores, and kind of like a new sale every week. So check that out on their social media. You'll kind of get the get the inside scoop before you make the trek over there. Yep, that's right. No, that's good. And like to, to get back into fishing here, you know, we talked with Mike Richards about, uh, you know, his transition from from the NHL to, to being a fisherman. You know, his, uh, his Instagram there says, I used to play hockey, but now I'm a fisherman. I might be <laughs> quoting that not quite correctly, but, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's what he's doing now. And he's just enjoying life. And it was... Uh, a pleasure to talk to him you know sheldon's a big hockey guy so a lot of the conversation was about some pretty cool hockey memories um i'm more awestruck because i'm more of a you know canadian kid that's just thinking like oh you know that the stanley cup like gosh this guy's won it twice and you know in the in the episode we talk about uh something pretty unique that he got to do with the cup so you'll definitely have to stay tuned for that and uh you know it was just again a pleasure to talk to mike And we really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Awesome. Well, let's get right into it then. Well, welcome to another episode of Panoramic Outdoors Podcast. We've got a special guest today. Um, Now that hockey is well in its way, we thought we'd maybe see if we can find somebody that's been on the ice before, it's been on the lakes and the outdoors and all that stuff. So we got a guy that's won quite a few different uh, awards throughout his career, gold medals and different different, awards. calibers i guess of hockey world juniors olympics and some stanley cups but welcome to the show mike richards what's up guys how's it going thanks for having me 
Yeah, for sure. It's uh, things are going. Um, you know, we were just kind of chatting about AAA hockey before we got going on here. There's another story that I'm just gonna bring up quick about uh, Aaron Ashram's celebrity yeah. uh, golf tournament. Have you attended that before? Yeah, yeah, I went there. Uh, I don't even know when it was. I don't know what year. That was a long time ago. I think. It was a long time ago. Yeah, in Portage La Prairie. Um, yeah. It was fun. He we did like uh, so. He I used to run a golf tournament here, and it was oh, a yeah. week apart. So when Aaron was home, he would come up to do mine, um, and then I would go to Portage to do his. So it was a little milk run of golf tournaments. There's usually one in Winnipeg too, right around there. I can't remember what it was but it was just a little circuit that uh both of us did actually nice yeah we'd uh i've done the shane 91 in nipo a few times um well, that was a long time ago too but uh they're always fun to go to spend a bit of cash and have yeah. some fun but um how we start the podcast off is we do five burning questions so they i've got three brendan you got two i hope yep Perfect. Um, and so what we'll do is we'll ask you these questions. You can answer them long form, short form, and it's just for us to get to know you a little bit and for our listeners to get to know you and for you to get to know us. So I'll start off with the first question, and it's um, if you had one last meal on this earth, what would you have? And what would you have to drink with it? Um, one last meal, probably steak, potatoes. It'd be kind of boring, but um, beef tenderloin specifically. And probably, uh, my wife does like a twice smashed potato that's just with like bacon in it. It's, it's pretty special, so that would be it. And uh, to drink, it, I mean, it didn't really matter. Beer, water, anything would be would be fine with it. Nice. This last meal, probably a beer. Yeah, might as well. Hey. Yeah. Um, my second question for you: playing professional sports being in the outdoors world, fishing, have you ever come across a nickname where it just makes you laugh? Like a good nickname? Uh, or what was yours? What was yours even growing up and through hockey and stuff? Well, growing up, um, it was Richie usually. Rick kind of once we got into the NHL, um, kind of a long story short of that is – we were playing like video games. Scott Hartnell used to have video games at his house, like actual like arcade games. Oh yeah. And he had it set up so you could write in like your full name. And I didn't know that. I just thought it was three letters like everything else. <laughs> and then that's kind of how that stuck. And then Richie's been obvious. Oh nice. Yeah. Yes. Um the funniest for... I'll yeah. add the other one. The funniest nickname. Um I don't know how we got it, but we had a friend that was nicknamed dildo for some reason <laughs> so like people would like yell this while he's playing soccer and his parents were there and they were like stop calling on that and just call it. Like, <laughs> so that was the funniest one that I've, I've ever heard and nothing even comes close to that <laughs> yeah you guys totally stopped every time they told you to stop right yeah <laughs> uh, right on uh my third question for you is um i i don't know i asked this kind of question very vague and i mean you're in a different chapter of your life where you're not playing hockey but where did you get the inspiration from playing hockey like where, where like did you have a, somebody looked up to or like a you know like a hero like gretzky or like where did the inspiration for for your hockey career come from um it kind of changed actually all the way up so when i was young i wanted to be a goalie so it was patrick Waugh and so i kind of followed him i mean obviously gretzky's the easy one but um when I was really young and then 
probably seven, eight, I started wanting to play goalie. So then I followed Patrick Waugh. And then he got, so when he got traded to Colorado, I guess that was like 95, 96. So I would have been 10, 11. I realized I wasn't going to play goalie. So I started following Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg. So then those were my two idols. Nice. Um, which I actually got to play with Pete, which was pretty cool. But um, those are the guys that I kind of followed. And, you know, like in our generation, it'd be like posters and stuff on the wall. Those are the, those are the guys that who, who I had on my right. wall. Right. Right on. Brandon, you're up, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So going from hockey now to the fishing guy, is there a bucket list fish anywhere on the planet that you, uh, you got your eye on that you haven't been out for yet? Maybe you're saving for later in life? Um, so uh, maybe not a bucket list, but something that I've always like, uh, bluefin tuna would be something I know they're on the endangered species, I believe. Um, and you, but I always saw the, I can't even remember what the show is now, but I always used to see, watch the show and they would be out in uh, Massachusetts somewhere and just catching giant bluefin tunas. Um, I've never fished for tuna, but I fished in the ocean a little bit we went black marlin fishing when i was in the dominican one time and growing up i used to also forget the video game which this is not a great story but um blue marlin was like a video game that you used to play and that was kind of what they were catching so when we went on black marlin fishing um i was hoping for one of those two and i saw some pictures of people that came in with that and they were massive so i always thought that would be pretty cool so um i don't know if it's a bucket list like i don't know if i would actually go but i do think like those two would be would be pretty awesome to catch oh yeah yeah those bluefin tuna they're massive Massive. i was watching a show where they uh it had to do with the sale of them too when they come to market they drill into it and have to take like a core sample of it to get like yeah. the premium amount of fat in it or something for uh yeah versus premium market value it was kind of crazy because they were just like this core randomly drilled into it and they would just look at it and some some asshole would just be like yeah that's a good fish and we're gonna sell it on the premium market yeah it would be like fifty dollars a pound or something and they'd be catching like yeah. a thousand that's the same sh- or uh the show they go through it they go literally from like the lake to wherever you weigh it um, yeah. at the docks and then it's literally like cash right there, whatever it is, 10, 15, 20 bucks a pound. And these things are like thousand pounders and yeah. it's pretty wild. It'd be, it'd be wild trying just, to real that. Watching them in like a feeding frenzy too, when they hit the side of the boats and stuff. Like yeah. They're, just, they're, they're so blue on top that you can't really see it until it's just. Wow. Yeah. They're just amazing fish. Yeah. It'd be pretty awesome. I don't know if I would ever like, go out and actively try to fish them because you I, from what I understand like you got to go out and I'm not overly pumped about just going out in the ocean and not being able to see anything so I, don't <laughs> yeah. know if I would never end up doing that but I do think it would be pretty wild to spend hours reeling this thing in that'd be fun, be fun yeah. for sure uh, keeping with the fishing there is there so there's a lot of different tournaments in the world for for fishing and you're kind of in the tournament scene now a little bit is there a target sort of uh competition that you're looking to get into um that's a good question i some friends have been like trying to talk me into doing some of the opens 
um, like Bassmaster, MLF, that sort of thing. I'm not ready for that at this stage, um, but at some point, maybe get into that and not do obviously all nine or anything, but depending how the next few years go, I know they have some like down in Florida when we're there, um, the MLF, I'm not sure if it's the Phoenix series or the Toyota series. One of those always goes on Okeechobee. So I've been kind of eyeballing that um, every now and again and just go in, whether it's even a co-angler, you know, kind of buy in on the pro side. Um, but that'll be kind of a few years down the road. We just started to kind of get on solid ground with doing some pretty decent finishes and some of these things. So I don't think that'd be almost just be a waste of money to do those right now so maybe in a few years and we'll see how it goes but that would probably be as high as i would i would go yeah yeah pretty sweet yeah well you made it through the five burning questions pretty unscathed i like yeah. to say we've had some some fellas that take 45 minutes some take 10 seconds so yeah um, <laughs> so that's a good yeah good get to know you start but I guess basically I'll just break it down right from the start is the reason why we wanted to get you on is I think there's a lot of people out there um, in the hockey world slash outdoors world that knows you from playing for Philly and LA and your short cup of coffee in Washington, but they don't know what's going on now. And I know from talking to other people in the industry that you're big into fishing, you're into the outdoors. So let's rewind it right back to like childhood and stuff. How did that all start for you? Yeah, it wasn't even like childhood. So for me, um it was always hockey golf and golf is still something i do a lot of um a little tougher with fishing and golf both um just five hour rounds and a day on the water it's it's tough to do both as much as i would like to but um so growing up i was just golfed in the summer um, worked at the golf course and then obviously hockey in the winter so i didn't really get into fishing until i think i was 20 or 21 um so i signed with philadelphia and my first paycheck actually i bought my boat or a boat with that first paycheck um so it was the lund 1750 um i still actually have the boat it's awesome it's just like i don't know it's kind of beat up now so it's just one of those boats that you can take to town and just leave it and not really kind of worry about it but um so that was that was literally the whole paycheck that I got went to that um and then Jeff Gustafson um took me fishing him and his partner Chris Savage took me fishing on Shoal Lake and I always went to my grandma's house on this little lake called Rabbit Lake and just catch rock bass stuff like that off the dock so obviously I could fish I caught walleye stuff like that but was never really into bass fishing and then that day we went out on Shoal Lake we caught probably a million largemouth um flipping a jig and throwing um a frog and it was the best day I think it still probably is the best day of, of fishing I've ever had um and from that day on I was hooked so um didn't do it much as a as a kid growing up but from that day on i've uh, kind of just been hooked and yeah you mad at gussie or you know how to <laughs> got me into it as you can see by all the fishing stuff around me uh, yeah cheap thing but but it, it's been awesome and yeah it was it was from that day it was literally like hooked after that yeah 
Yeah. Well, having having a day out with Gussie, the pedigree of Gussie on the lake, yeah. I'm sure you probably learned just a pile of stuff, and then just wanted to keep learning it. Like, yeah, you know, like getting hooked is like a great pun, but it yeah. actually makes a lot of sense. You're fishing yeah. with a guy like that. Yeah, and it was fun. We did like there was three of us. We had six rods on the deck. Each of us had just a, a big flipping pagan jig and then uh, a frog which is obviously an exciting fun way to fish and, and it was incredible the fishing and I literally got off the water that day and the next morning I went and bought this like seven foot 11 inch massive fishing rod with an absolute pool cue and just it, it wasn't that easy after that day I'll tell you that for free <laughs> that's awesome so then you're got your first paycheck from philadelphia you go buy a boat now you're going back to philadelphia is it are you continuing fishing down there while while you're playing hockey or how does that work out with that no. busy schedule yeah so uh, even though i was hooked it was more just like a summer thing um i didn't live on the water when i had the lund um so i would trail it back and forth and then eventually left to that a friend's house so I could go out in the summer, but it was, everything was still like hockey first. Um, I'd work out in the morning and then go for a few hours fishing in the afternoon um, or golf. That was kind of the, the routine um, back then. But when I was in Philadelphia, I didn't even know like what I know now of like the Potomac river and kind of the Delaware river and stuff like that. It runs through. Um, so I didn't even think about it to be honest with you I never right. um, really anywhere I went like even when I went to LA I went up into the mountains with uh, I think there's a reservoir I can't remember the name um, but that was the only time that we I really fished when I was actually like in Philly and LA or or Washington throughout the year oh yeah going through your career in the NHL too like I know this outdoor podcast, so there's going to be probably a lot of hockey questions too. So I'm a yeah, hockey good. nerd 50% of the time too. So, um, but like when you are playing in the, in the league, like do you run across other teammates that have similar interests as you? Like, are you, I, I remember like we had uh, Jordan Tutu on there uh, a couple years ago and he said like him and Datsuk would go down to Bass Pro and look at fishing hooks, you know? Oh, yeah. Is was, was there anybody like just random? You're like, oh, you like fishing right on and just like connected yeah. that way? Um, there was a guy I got to know. Willie Mitchell really well when I was in LA and he is a big saltwater fisherman. Um, mm -hmm. so he goes out and catches salmon and stuff like that. But, um, I got to know some people, like I know, especially like Cody Eakin lives on the lake and, um, you hear of a lot of guys. I know Carrie Price really likes the outdoors. I know he hunts a lot. So whenever you kind of meet up, like I know, when we were at the Olympic camp with Kerry, um, that was one of the things that um, we talked about, about fishing and stuff like that. So I think for the most part, anywhere, any team that I've been on, there has been guys that always enjoy either fishing, hunting, um, the outdoors, stuff like that, that is really easy to connect with, with other people. Yeah. And it's crazy. Cause like we've had quite a few different um, retired athletes throughout our podcasting career i guess you'd say um we actually had willie mitchell on so i had a good talk with him about about fishing out west and like brian bickle um you know other people and it's just like there's a there's a 
you know, the, the, the connection between hockey and outdoors seems to be very relevant, but the thing is, is it never gets showcased. Like nobody ever knows Like you know, yeah. don't click on sports net. And it's like, you know, these guys are just hanging out today and they're, they're fishing. It's always like they're hanging out and they're golfing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of neat to like find or listen to stories or hear about guys you never thought of and be on the lakes or the streams or hunting or whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I know like, so even right now, like Hellebuck, Corey Connors, that plays for the Jets, um, fish a lot. Like you said, that Brian Bickle, Bufflin. Um, who else? I know uh, some guys for the Flyers, I think Frost. Um, I can't remember their names right now, but I, I, uh, a buddy sent me a pick, and, and they were all out fit, like bass fishing too. So um, oh, yeah. I'm not really sure why. Maybe just because of the – you know, being on a boat with a camera crew and stuff like that might not be the best thing um, <laughs> or what people want, to be honest with you. Having a camera crew golfing is one thing, but to have a whole camera crew um, and being interviewed while you're fishing might not be the most enjoyable day on the yeah. water. But uh, yeah, disconnect time, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't think the NHL does a great job of marketing what a lot of guys do anyways like I, I know um now that there's a lot more podcasts like spit chicklets um doing like the sandbaggers with the golfing and stuff like that like i think it's more up to the players and the individual podcasts to do it like i don't think the nhl does a great job actually showcasing what players do in the off season so right. like, kind of part of the problem yeah yeah, I would totally agree with that there. And like, yeah, just like you said, there's lots of podcasts now that are kind of diving deeper into athletes' lives, and and a lot of the athletes want to talk about it. Like, yeah, just like hate to name drop, but like yesterday we just had Brett Kissel on, who's a country singer, and he seems so ecstatic to talk about hunting and fishing rather than talking yeah. about country music. Yeah. So it's like it's super cool to like flip the switch and do something different, right? Yeah. And that's actually yeah. what I would usually find is like when you travel around, like especially with hockey, um, and you're going into different arenas um, and getting interviewed almost daily about hockey, 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 and then somebody comes up to you and starts talking fishing or, or hunting or um, for some people golf. I think you just engage more with with something different, something that you're more, you know, a little. I don't know if it's more passionate, but just something different than the old, the everyday question of, of how's it going and, you know, when you're yeah. playing hockey and um, kind of break down fishing a little bit more. Yeah, like you don't really require any social media or any interview training for fishing. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Whether you did good or you did bad. Yeah. Or it's not. yeah. Basically, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brennan, uh, Brennan mentioned something about like a disconnect and that's one of the questions that I like to ask people to, um, especially that run busy lives. Mental health is huge. It's a huge part of what we do. Um, we, we've run into it uh, with close family members and everything else. But did you ever find yourself using that time outside in the outdoors to, you know, reflect on yourself or use it as like a mental health day, let's say, or just get away from everything? Um, have you ever found yourself connecting that way? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit, to be honest with you. Like I always probably every single time after the season, you always get, get the same questions of you know, how it went, how was your season, how did it go? And um, I would always just say, like, I'm not, you know, you don't know anything right after the season, but you'd always use, whether it's being on the water, 
um, for me would be a good time just to kind of like think about stuff. Um, even now I use it still. Um, if things are going on, it's just nice to get out on the water. Um, I fish a lot by myself, which I enjoy because of what you said, like the, the mental health aspect of just going out and being on the water, um, catching some fish. Sometimes it can be frustrating, but um, you're still out of the water and it's just, I don't know if it just like rejuvenates you or just you have so much time to, to kind of think, but it is definitely uh, a great way of kind of just focusing on some things of, of what's on your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it just reminds me like when we did have like Willie on there, he was talking about his concussions and some of the problems he was having with that. And so like one of his easiest fix, not easiest fixes, but one of the fixes that he had was going to a cabin and disconnect from the real world and just be outside, you know? And it's yeah. like, it, and it, and it, it's true. Like there's so much truth to it and so much, it's so genuine, like that you can just head outside and be by yourself, but um, almost like yeah. have a fresh of, you know fresh air breath of fresh yeah. air it's just very uh it's crazy the way it works yeah. but. and especially like with kind of like our schedules while we were, were playing uh, more so than now but it was just like every day every day you'd be at the rink every day you're getting asked questions every day you have to perform every day it, it just kind of like wears on you and then you're so um not only physically but mentally exhausted by the end of the season when you get home for me anyways, like I'd always take kind of two weeks off of like working out kind of away from hockey, like don't even really watch it or anything. And then those two weeks when you get back, it's just like re-energizing the body, whether it's just going out on the lake fishing, going out on the lake, and, you know, wake surfing, which I, which I used to do or, or just being, kind of on the dock it just kind of like gets you away from everything um, right you don't have to ask, answer questions you don't have the pressure of performing you can just kind of get away and um kind of turn the brain off for a bit and it, it definitely helps with that yeah absolutely well we can shift gears a little bit and i mean we did talk about it with one of brennan's qu- vibrating questions about tournament fishing but like so what are you doing now like what uh what keeps you busy? You're doing you're doing quite a bit of fishing, obviously. Like, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I started KBI was my first tournament. Um, I want to say I was like 22, so 16 years ago. I guess I've been doing it now, um, but back then it was more of just a way of um, fishing for three days, like I like full three days fishing with not working out in the morning. Um, almost like kind of what we were just talking about of just like getting away from things and, and forcing yourself to, to fish for three days and kind of take a break from everything. So um, I would enter the tournament with a buddy and it would just force me to, to fish for three days. And then as I started doing it, obviously I'm competitive too. So um, after like five, six years, you start wanting to do better. The problem was yeah. you just have a ton of time to, to put into it. Um, just with making sure that you're working out all the time um, and you kind of go back like when I was with LA I wouldn't get back until the end of June so then you just kind of have a quick month and by that time you're thinking about going back so 
we really started to put a lot more emphasis and a lot more effort into to fishing kind of as my career ended. And then once I stopped playing, I was like all in on the, on the tournament scene. Like I would, like if the tournament was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would pre-fish like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like <laughs> all day. Nice. Um, so that was kind of like the, the competitive, like almost surrogate for hockey of not having that competition side of being an NHLer, but still wanting um, to compete something. So I kind of dove headfirst into the, the tournament fishing. And now I do KBI, my wife and I do uh, bronze back, which is like a his and her or um, adult son, I guess it would be your adult daughter tournament. So kind of like a, a fun one. And then we do one the week after Labor Day, which is called Bassin for Bucks. And then we do two or three fall ones. So a pretty good tournament schedule right. uh, for a summer. But yeah, I just kind of dove in, love doing it, love the, the competition factor of it. And to be honest, like I used to get to the rink, like I'd always be one of the first ones to the rink. And I always used to love like the energy in the building, especially for like playoff games. Um, like when we were in Philly, it was like Pittsburgh was always a big game when we were with LA, like Anaheim, and you could just like feel that energy in the building before like the fans were even there. And like day one or before takeoff, you can kind of feel that energy kind of in the air too with fishing tournaments. So I think there's like, I don't know, there's just like a, an excitement that you can kind of feel with everybody like the, the the noise of all the anglers that is kind of euphoric a little bit um before it starts so um yeah like i said i, I kind of jumped in and we're we're finally finally starting to do all right which is <laughs> a lot more exciting than you know when we first started it was like 120th out of 125 boats or wouldn't weigh in so um it's, it's fun it, it allows you to have a little bit of competition in your life even though i'm just kind of done playing the nhl yeah what's your uh what's a couple do you have a couple good finishes you got a couple firsts yet or like what's your no goal first. here right now? no no first no, no first no uh our best finish like kbi is seventh which is really good. Like we kind of like set the set a goal, just like they do like a the boat parade. So if you're like top ten before the third day, um, you kind of like get towed through the uh, harbor front tent, which is like kind of a big deal up here. And that was always kind of the goal. So we got to do that this year. So we were pumped about that. And then I think our best finish in the other tournaments, I think we had a couple fifths and some sixths. So. Oh, nice. No, uh, no wins yet, but hopefully soon. <laughs> it's tough competition. Like, man, it's crazy. Like, I, to be honest, when I first started doing it, it was like, you know, like it was catching five bass. Like, how hard can that be? And then, yeah. like, you start fishing them, and it's just, it's not the same as going out on a Tuesday with your buddy, you know? So um, it's exciting, it's, it's fun crazy how fast uh 
a tournament day can go when you don't have any fish at like noon. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's exciting. No, it's fun. I do a lot of them. Actually, I do either with my younger brother or my wife. So nice. uh, it's a pretty good time. They like it. My brother and I do like kind of the bigger ones. And then my wife and I do like the fall tournaments, um, kind of like the one dayers or two dayers a little quicker. Right. Yeah. That's cool. I've uh, I've never been into that. Brennan, have you done any tournaments before? Uh, well, we did the Lake of the Prairies Classic a couple times. I think everybody yeah. in this part of the province has entered one of those ones, or the Lake Irwin Jackfish Derby. That's usually yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the old snaggy northern pike and meatball out there. Yeah. Um, is it length or is it pounds? Like, is that um, length? Length. Length. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's combined length, so if you get two 25 inch, I think yeah, yeah. similar to or the biggest pike. I yeah. Pretty cool. Those are. Uh, those um <clears throat> tournaments it's funny that you say like the noise and stuff is there any like chirps you hear like you know when you're into the in a big arena you can't really hear what everybody's saying because there's so no. many. there's some like funny funny comments from other anglers in boats like just so, always just right because they're smaller yeah it would be funny. I mean, it does get competitive like i i have heard of people like arguing fighting not actually like fist fighting but like yelling back and forth at each other i've never experienced that like we um like we do also realize like like we're competitive but we realize it's also like a fishing thing and there's <laughs> we basic rules obviously but like we're not gonna like get bent out of shape or anything if like something cuts us off or we're not gonna like cut people off um especially because like you know up here like if I go and cut somebody off, it's like Mike Richards is a jackass for cutting me off. <laughs> Whereas like, you know, so we, we try to keep her between the lines, um, but we do get competitive. Like obviously you want to do well, um, you enter for a reason. So there, I haven't heard of any like actual fights, but it definitely gets a little, I don't know. And boys will be- you once in a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, yeah. I don't know if you can go like uh, like even when I played I played in this like men's league hockey league in Kenora and it's just like fun you know 10 to 11 30 and even there there would be like borderline fights <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't think it matters what scenario you get put in or what scenario you, you're in um, if there's some sort of competition like I play softball in the summer too, and there's always arguments there. Oh so. yeah, that's <laughs> the worst. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah. We um we started a senior hockey team in Nipah quite a few years ago. I don't know. Do you know who Kirby Law is? He played for the Phantoms for years. Yeah, and then he he never yeah. made it. He was like the point leader in the A, but never. I don't think he ever went up. But anyways, he played with us, and everybody would like want to fight him and stuff and yeah. like, what are you? like he's got to go to work or whatever the next day yeah so we ended up bringing in jonathan akins who is this like huge defenseman that he's played for chicago blackhawks and for some reason he was in like brandon so i like phoned him like hey man do you want to come play some senior hockey and he's like yeah sure and then put him on the ice and then nobody oh, nobody buddy. even yeah they're like <laughs> hey you want to go for a beer after i'm like yeah, yeah. let's go but yeah it's crazy to come the competition it's just like in our blood yeah especially when there's like money on the line, you know, like some of the tournaments like KBI, I think the winner got just under 19 grand this year. So it's not like you're, you're out there just playing for, 
If you're listening to this episode, we know you love local, and so do we. That's why we're going to encourage you to check out your local co-op. Co-op is in over 600 communities across Western Canada with over 2 million members. Co-ops are a member-driven organization that serve the local community. You can check out co-ops for all your food, fuel, home and construction, as well as agricultural needs. A membership costs you $10 to get in, and you're going to see that back in equity. You don't need a membership to shop at Co-op, but you'd be missing out on all the equity and most importantly your say and how that company runs. For groceries, if you want to shop online, you can check it out online at shop.crs and select markets. There's hundreds of local products sourced and packaged all across Western Canada and even free cookies for children in store at the deli counter. If you're looking at a home and building experience, they have local experts available to help with any plans, large or small, and free home and garage blueprints available for online download. Their gas stations are not just a great place to stop for fuel, but also for snacks and a recharge. They're available all across Western Canada, voted the cleanest bathrooms, they have full service at most locations, and car washes at most locations. On the egg side, Co-op's been in the business since 1930 and has continued to lead the way in not just energy products needed for seeding, harvesting, and everything in between, but also in the growing inventory of high-quality products, including crop inputs and feed that Co-op manufactures and distributes. Co-op's private label production selection is growing every year, providing growers with the high-quality products they expect from the name they trust. Co-op also offers a range of fuel, lubricant, and propane products, and also provides farm buildings, grain bins, bulk fuel, fuel tanks, livestock equipment, fencing, and heaters. Wherever you are, be sure to check out your local co-op because they have it all. Well, I thought you like I thought you like peanuts, ham and yeah. peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was listening. Who was that biz? I think on a podcast that you used to have hoodies full of M M&M and M peanuts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the fan, or no, that was in Manchester with biz. Yeah, that's funny. So yeah, it's, and then just to kind of wrap up the tournament fishing talk. So like you're you're doing these tournaments now, and you you kind of mentioned like maybe sometime you'll get into like bigger and better tournaments. But like, what's the goal? What's the end goal? Are you just totally happy doing what you're doing now? Yeah, probably just happy. Like in terms of like fishing, I'm not looking to be like on the elites. I'm not looking to be um, like a full pro angler. Like I just I don't think I would ever want to do the travel, um, especially like all summer. Like to get there, you'd have to do i think the opens is nine tournaments and it's basically one a month um from january february to uh, like september so not even the fact that if i did enter i would just get the doors blowing off me like i I wouldn't want to do that anyways so um it would probably just be now continually hopefully get better at kind of the area and then at some point maybe um, enter either just one of the opens or at most I think you can do for like regional so you could do three of them I think it would be and most yeah. of them was like we go down to Florida uh, the wife and I January 1st to like mid-April so at least two if not all three of those tournaments would be when we were down there so that's okay. the only reason why I would do them is if 
uh, like we were in Florida and they say there was two in Florida and that if you had to drive to one, that wouldn't be a big deal, but I wouldn't yeah. want to like, do one a month and like, like I think Jamie Bruce, who's from Kenora, just did that. He was like, he would go like Kenora to somewhere in Kentucky and then come back to Kenora. And then like three weeks later, he'd leave Kenora and have to go somewhere in like Alabama and then come back to, you know, like I just wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. That's, that's no. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, yeah, we, we had Gussie on there and he like was kind of explaining not only like the, the commitment, but like the, it's almost like a risk of doing the tournaments, right? Because you're driving, you got an expensive rig, you're pulling around. And if you don't do well, you're losing money. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Plus you got to rent houses or whatever for pre-fishing and you're there for a while. And yeah, I just, yeah, I couldn't imagine that'd be a hectic lifestyle. Yeah. At least Gussie, like Gussie's obviously on the road a, a lot, but they, like they usually do like two tournaments where it's like, they'll do one in Florida and then the next week will be like two or three hours north or like a four hour drive. And then they would do the next one. And then they would take some time off for like those opens or like one a month all over the country, like Texas all the way yeah. over Florida, you know, like it just, is, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't want to spend, especially in the summertime, like spend time driving down to like, alabama to fish for one week and then come back like yeah it just it wouldn't be something that i'd be interested in especially yeah, for sure. just gonna go down there and like finish 140th waist like <laughs> for a bunch of beers and just yeah. have a great time yeah. <laughs> yeah that's for sure um not to give away any of your tips or tricks but what is your go-to setup do you have a go-to setup when you're doing the bass tournaments uh not really we fish smallmouth i would say 99.9 so basically any like spinning rod and then um if it's in the summer usually like a net rig chatter bait i use a lot that's kind of like what i like to do the most and then um winter time or fall i guess it would be just like a you know jig basically yeah yeah what about um superstitions i mean hockey players i know have some crazy ass superstitions and this is gonna be a two-part question but like did you have any going through uh through your career and now do you have any uh in the in the fishing rig in the boat um so i guess routine superstitions basically the same thing but it would always be like um it's been a while since i've played so (laughs) thing back to what i did you just think it's normal yeah like it would always just kind of be like the same thing you know like i wouldn't have anything where it was like if i scored one game i had to like wear the same suit or eat the same meal or or anything like that but actually i would eat the same meal every single game but that was just (laughs) like you know go to the same restaurant or the same thing um kind of leave the house around the same time but I didn't have anything that like if I didn't do it, I would just be like kind of mind screwed sort of thing. Like I tape my stick the same way. Like everything was just more routine than like something that had to happen. Um, and in terms of fishing, I don't think there's really anything. Like we haven't really done well enough to like 
<laughs> you know, like yeah. press finishes. Like we've had some good days, but it's not like I was like paying attention the day before to like what I did to have that or anything. So, <laughs> I'll let yeah. you know if I start winning tournaments, I'll probably. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, tag us in a post on uh, Instagram of your like new lucky hat or. Yeah. Accidentally, <laughs> accidentally put on your old lady's underwear or something. Yeah. And started catching them like crazy. And just wear the exact same thing every single time. <laughs> yeah. Don't even take it off. Sleep in yeah. it. Yeah. Just roll right out of bed to the boat. <laughs> right on i'm gonna shift gears one more time here and i like i don't want to take up your whole night either so i don't want to uh, go too too long but the stanley cup i mean it's one of those things that every other child in canada dreams about winning even dreams about you know playing in the nhl but what was that like i mean you 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 won two of them correct so what yeah. was that? Well, just let's go through maybe like what was that first one like? Like what is the what is that feeling like when it comes on the ice and like yeah, just tell me about that quick. Yeah, or you don't have to be quick. Be as long yeah, as you want so to. <laughs> that feeling when it came out on the ice, like for the first time, was like the most insane feeling ever. Like right. when you win it, like obviously, like you're jumping up and down, you're throwing like the gloves helmet and stuff like that and then like when it like came through the doors it was like everybody just stopped nobody was yelling nobody was talking everyone just like kind of like grabbed each other and just like watched it like get no like, to the center ice like it was just like so crazy um but yeah it was it was it was wild it was it's like funny how like everything kind of lined up from like being traded to LA in the summer. Um, like we were horrible the first half of that year too, like in 2012. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of caught fire and like just run rough shot in the playoffs. Like it was, it's pretty wild to be honest with you. Was that the year that was, was that the year you guys kind of had it wrapped up in the third with that? Was it like six one or something? Yeah. Yeah. We that scored that year. Yeah, so we we played Vancouver first round. We won in five. We played St. Louis second round. We won in four. We played Phoenix third round, one in five. And then we beat Jersey in six, but we were up three nothing in that series too. Like so we were up three nothing in all four. Like we just were just on like a heater. Yeah. And yeah, we um had a five-minute power play, I believe, in the first period, like 10 minutes into the game, and I think we scored three or four in that five minutes. So, like, it was over, like, right away. Um, so it, it was, like, kind of unique because, like, when it was 6-1, like, you kind of know it's over, but, like, you obviously don't want to just, like, nail it in. Yeah. Uh, so, like, we were kind of celebrating with, like, two minutes on the bench or, like, four minutes on the bench, and Daryl kind of got mad. And it's like, it's not over. And then, like, with, like, a minute and a half, it's over now. So, like, yeah. just chaos. And then, like I said, like, you're going nuts. And then when it comes on the ice, it's just – it was the most, like, crazy feeling, crazy, oh, yeah. um, like, sight. Because really, like, you're just playing, you just play, and then – even when you win, you don't really like fully grasp of what you won. And then like when it comes on, 
you get your hands on it. It's just wild. And then like the next day, like we were just like sitting around at Jared Stoll's house and it was just like sitting like on an outdoor patio set, like on the center table. And you just like see some of the names on there. And it's just, it's pretty wild to see like Wayne Gretzky, SCA, you know, like guys like that. You could literally spend hours just looking at the names. And then like the cool, it was a cool shot. I think I noticed that after in the dressing room, when we were like dumping beers in the top, like Kenora Thistles is like in the main hub, like in the main, right at the top of like 1907, they won like Kenora Thistles. It's like so prevalent, like right when you look, if the cup's on the ground, you look down into the actual cup, it's right there. So it was pretty cool to see too. That's really cool. Just big connection to home, hey? Yeah. Yeah. A buddy of mine from Kenora brought that up years ago. Nolan Queen, he's like, Did you know we're on the Stanley Cup? I guess Nolan, yeah, yeah we were aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When uh, I had my cup for the day, so because we're so remote, I got it for like a day and a half. And the first day, we did like a ton of stuff with it. The second day, actually, in the morning, I took it fishing for like three hours. We just went out and like it was kind of like full circle of what we talked about at first about like the mental health thing of just like the first day was so chaotic with like pictures and like having to be here like breakfast and we're going to go here then we got to go there then it's you know like it was just like non-stop that whole day and then the next day it was like me and the cup guy and a photographer we just went out and caught some fish and put a bass did, the, did the cup guy throw a couple of lures out yeah it just hooked it on the side um <laughs> but they were nervous about it going in the boat because i guess it sinks uh, yeah. <laughs> like Sheldon yeah. said, like every every sensible Canadian kid dreams about winning the, the Stanley Cup, and like yeah. their next thought would be, well, how how would you like top that? Like, what could you do better? Well, take the cup fishing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, we we ahead, actually just had sorry the so this summer will be our tenth anniversary for 2014, but. So no, obviously not past summer. The summer before we had the 10-year anniversary of the 2012 one. And it was just like cool um, of like getting back together with that group of like everything was just like the same. Everyone was just older, you know, like how you everyone says like you have that like connection, that bond when you win with the same group, like you'll have forever. Like everything was literally identical. Like everyone was just like ripping on each other and like that's nice pretty cool yeah that's awesome i have to ask to jonathan quick i mean he was unbelievable in both those stanley cups like what like what was in his cereal man like what made him so good like yeah unreal um just man was he good especially in that first one like he was just like so quick you know like he was (laughs) you know like every he was honestly insane i'm I think that's the best goaltending I've ever seen in my life. And I don't even think it's close. Like that whole sec really from like when I say we were like terrible at the beginning of the year, that 2012, like basically from Christmas to the last game of the year, like I would be hard pressed to find games that he let more than like one goal win. <laughs> and like the only reason we lost in the first half is just because we couldn't score. score. 
Yeah. <laughs> like he was so, like, I don't even know. You can't even, like, you don't even do it justice by saying he was, like, incredible because he was so good. And he is, yeah. like, one of, like, the best guys, too. Like, he actually is, like, like, he just moved, like, he plays for the Rangers now, but he lives a little bit, like, outside. So he's, like, I could see him, like, practicing like bull hunting and stuff like that like he picks up the outdoor stuff like he oh, nice. and like wants to get into hunting when he's done stuff like that so yeah that's cool i got one more question about hockey and then i'll throw it out over to brandon in case he's got any wrap-up questions too but um i there's one thing that i always wondered and like when it comes to playoff hockey and like winning a Stanley cup or whatever it may look like, there's like people always talk about like, you need that veteran presence um, for the first cup. Did you have that veteran presence from somebody? And then when you're going through the second cup, did you feel that you were like that veteran for that run? Um, yeah, a bit like we went. So in 2010, we went to the finals with Philadelphia. We lost to Chicago. And like, I just remember in that kind of run like we you just kind of get on a little bit of a heater and then like in the finals I was like so nervous um because like we were saying before just like every kid's dream to win the cup so you're actually playing yeah. for it um so I felt like 2012 like it was just more like relaxed I think like the first two rounds are kind of just like more physical regular season games sort of thing like obviously the intensity picks up and the speed of the game but you don't really like feel the pressure as much whereas like when you're in the conference finals and especially in the finals like that's when it it starts being like literally right there so um i don't think we had as much like like veteran veteran guys um but justin williams won a cup before like we had a bunch of guys that kind of went either one or been to the finals a few times. So I think right. for myself anyways, like once we got there in 2012, it was more of um, just kind of like let things come to you and not just be nervous of like going hundred miles per hour and like just trying to win like the cup in game one sort of thing. Whereas in 2010, like barely sleep, like leading up to it, you just like, try to do so much that you actually end up doing like literally nothing so i think just like from talking to like jared Stoll, he was in the cup finals carter was in the cup finals i was cup finals justin penner won the cup justin williams won the cup so we did have a lot of like guys that have been there before so i think we we were better equipped that year than we were in 2010 when we lost in philly and then in 2014 like I think there was only like four or five guys that didn't win it with us in 2012. So oh, yeah. you kind of tell what like the Rangers were feeling because they were the first couple games, like we were up three nothing in that series too. But we could just see like the Rangers kind of like running around. And if you're not there, like I always think experience is like a little blown out of proportion a lot of the times, but like the conference finals and finals i think that's really when it starts kind of paying off sort of thing yeah that's an interesting um insight to it because uh yeah i've been a hockey fan i always watch hockey and you know playoffs come and the finals or conference finals whatever it may be and they say go these veteran presence and it's like 
wondered like what they do. Like, do they grab a guy and shake him and say, like, "Hey, man, get it under control," or like, you know, just they they lead by example and all that stuff. So it's pretty cool that we got an insight of, of that side of the hockey yeah. game for sure. I'd say it's more of like a calm demeanor kind of around like the dressing around on the ice, like pregame skate stuff like that, where you're not like just going a million miles per hour. Like even when, yeah. uh, like in 2010, when we won the Olympics, we gave up the tying goal with like a minute left or whatever. And then we we're like all of us sitting in the dressing room, kind of like obviously down. And then like Scott Niedermeyer is just like walking around eating an apple. Like it's you know, like not sweating. Yeah. So I think just like little things like that, I think just kind of like give you confidence of what you're, what you're doing sort of thing. Just like a, a calm demeanor, uh, a, a casual walk more than just like almost like yelling and acting nervous sort of stuff. So I think that right. goes a lot further than the rah, rah, you know, yelling or, or, you know, not having any experience where you're kind of pacing, just like that calming presence. I think. Yeah. Important. Yeah. That's cool. Brendan, do you got uh, any kind of questions of wrap this up? Yeah. Right? Like I, so many. Sorry. I took it all. No, that's all right. I've just been kind of awestruck a little bit here. So like winning the second one, the like, was it all oh, this old thing or was it the same surreal feeling? Um, so it was cool because like the first, like when I won, the first time in like 2012 you could tell like justin williams dustin penner like those guys that have won before were kind of like almost like just kind of like people watching like watching the teammates seeing the excitement and stuff like that so like when we were going through the playoffs in 2014 it was like robin regeer who played a long time but hadn't won there were some guys like the rookies to fully Tanner Pearson. Um, like there was a handful of guys that had won either. So I think it was more like, you know, let's win for Robin, let's win for these guys. And then you're still as excited, but I think it's just more like happy that you were able to do it with them too. Because like every every group's kind of unique. Like it's never gonna be like 22 guys the same each year. So um I think it's just more of like a, a unique feeling of like let's do it for these guys. Let's let's do something with this group sort of thing. Yeah. And then uh, after you won the second time there, did you take the cup ice fishing? Was the uh... no? So that was um, they did like a hockey day in Canada. They do oh, like yeah. a craft, I don't know if it's Hockeyville or whatever it is, but so that was I think that was in 2013 with the lockout maybe. Mm-hmm forget exactly when it was but they had a game in Kenora and they did the I think it was craft hockey bill but we did they did like ice made a bunch of outdoor rinks and it was like three on three and it was like a whole day thing so the cup came for that and then that's when we went fishing it was that was like maybe like a 45 minute thing like we had a little ice <laughs> but it was more of just like get the shot and let's Cause it was like warm, like it was, it was like January maybe. And it was like zero. So like yeah. go too far on the ice and like, obviously you're like driving out. Like they had a ton of things planned, but 
Yeah, I forgot about that actually. That's funny. <laughs> Throwing the skates and skate away, and everybody's taking pictures of the hockey, and there's Mike over in the distance. Yeah. 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 Like I was back. We had a nice hut. We just went out there. And, uh, my cousin was there with his kid, and I remember actually doing that now that you bring it up. <laughs> That's great. Cup guy probably be a little more happy with the ice than on the yeah. board table. <laughs> well, they were they were like in all that we were like driving on the ice, like driving on the lake with their yeah. trucks, like the ice road, and like they were just like, so this is the lake, right? <laughs> like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, I guess like, what well, we could probably start wrapping things up here. Um, Brennan, do you want to maybe just give if you have any final thoughts, final questions, final words for Mike, and then uh, Mike, you can go, and then I'll go. How about that? Not a whole lot. It's been a really fun episode talking about the ins and outs of hockey, and then how the <clears throat> how fishing's kind of grounded you throughout that process. You know, coming into it later later on in life, and then and really finding it. Uh, you know, fishing tournaments. My my wife to my detriment you know is the fishing master in the family yeah. <laughs> she goes after like i've we've done it our whole lives or whatever but she's the one into the into the tournament so and uh, you guys can probably exchange some pretty clever stories on yeah. pre-fishing you know she the pre-fishing is always great always great and then yeah um, the tournament date for some reason it's just not working and yeah um, it is crazy how like how go it could be so easy and that it's just not you know yeah. like that's that's kind of what we struggle with like mm -hmm. really up until like a few years ago like we would crush them at like practice and then you, like we just didn't adjust very well of like where they would go or what mm -hmm. else we should do so we would like just like four years ago we had like the best practice of our lives and we just like flew around the lake and then we ended up we were like 70th after the first day and we're like <laughs> all this happened and then we were like oh maybe we should just not fish every spot to spot like it's mm -hmm. 100 miles per hour and then you slow down and you catch some but it is crazy i don't know what the like i don't know i think it's just experience of like mm -hmm. fishing tournaments and i get so excited for them sometimes that i just like go around 100 miles per hour and like <laughs> you finish the day and you're in like 80th place and you're like what the hell is that <laughs> Yeah. So, she had a specifically on the KWT tournament on uh, Lake Winnipeg. You know, one day the fish are crushing from 14 feet away. You know, you see them come in, boom! You could throw a bottle cap down there on a hot dog, and yeah. everything's biting. And then the next day, if you weren't hitting them on the head first to show them that there was a lure in front of them, yeah, they weren't interested. You know, that's a big lake to have to go and be precise right on top of a fish. So it yeah. can get you can get pretty frustrating. You can get in your head about it too, and it's. At the end, yeah. you just got to realize that, hey, I'm fishing, man. <laughs> like, yeah, turn yeah, it up. But... Really not much. But yeah. it is frustrating because you just think it's going to go so well. And then aren't they eating? The flies oh, eat it. <laughs> so yeah. quick when you're struggling, like, and it could be like, oh, it's only eight o'clock. We got like six more hours. And then you don't catch anything till like one. And you're like, holy crap, it's one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything here panic sets in you kick your partner in the lake yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah but like you said it's at least you're fishing that's right bad day uh bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work yeah exactly <laughs> shit yeah excuse me yeah man no, that's uh again. that answers my questions about the uh the tournament fishing i really 
I'd like yeah. to get into it more, but you know, oh, if we'll hold down the yeah. <laughs> forward on that one for a bit, yeah. Expect to be frustrated. Uh, <laughs> I think too, like the hardest part for us is like the first tournament's not till mid July, and then the next one's like the biggest one, which is KBI. So like, you do one to like warm it up, and then you're so excited for K KBI, and mm -hmm. then you just like put so much pressure, you almost like pre-fish too much so you have like a million spots in your head and then you just like overthink it instead of just like you know like any day i go fishing it's my brother and i we always do really well yeah whether it's just like going out and just fishing or going out and like trying new things or just going out and like let's just go fish these spots that we've caught fish and we always do well and that, they're like almost light switched a few years ago or like Maybe we should just slow down. And if they're not in this specific spot, like maybe we should just go a little further up or a little <laughs> a little further. And then you start catching them and you're like, oh, I guess that helps. Like just pretend like it's a normal fishing day because we always do well. And you start doing well, or you know, like, do you ever need a good laugh in an ice fishing tournament? You're sitting around your hole, just uh, put a bell in your pocket and jingle it every uh, 15 minutes or so and watch all the people shoot off their buckets yeah, and come yeah. back. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of the Lake Irwin thing and trying yeah. to hunker down in between a bunch of people and wait about 10 minutes and ring a bell, watch everybody just going it's from three feet of It's pretty fun. Yeah. That's great. Um, Mike, I'm just going to kind of wrap away, but I do have two more quick questions, more hockey, and then that's it. I promise more <laughs> hockey questions. <laughs> And they're super easy questions, softball questions. But was there what's what was your favorite rink to play in? Like other than your hometown rinks, where was the rink that you just love playing in? Madison Square Garden. Oh man, yeah, that's like just rich in tradition, eh? Like if those seats could talk or the those so dressing like, rooms, wow. yeah. Like when you, so like when we we would come in with the flyers and we'd take this Penn Station right from. Penn Station in Philly, right to Penn Station. I think it's called in New York, which is like obviously right at the bottom of MSG. And then like the next day we would pull in to the bottom of MSG and then you have to like go up this huge, I don't know, this is kind of like a circling ramp. And then you would get to the main level and get to the hallway. So you're walking down the hallway and they have like pictures on the wall of everybody that's performed there and it's just like the who's who of everything you know like yeah. Tyson Holyfield like Jay-Z Eminem like anybody who's like it is incredible the amount of people you just like like you said you just feel the tradition of all those people that perform in that rank all the like concerts and shows and games and um, so that was always just cool walking into that. and I think they redid it so when I went back with forget what year I can't remember they dumped like a billion dollars and they took all the pictures down so you don't have the same walk so I don't oh, know yeah. if it's the same thing now as it was I guess like 10 years ago but when I was with Philly it was by far the best that's cool um, my second question is actually three part life hack now you get that three um <laughs> But the hardest player to play against, the hardest goalie 
to play against? And then the hardest team, who what was the team that you hated playing against? Uh, so the hardest player is Sid. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not sad. Yeah. He was so good, man. Like, he was just that, like, absolute grinder with, like, the most skill. So, <laughs> you know, like, he, he was just incredible. He is incredible. Um, for goalie, I don't know. Nobody Curry. had your number? What's that? I said nobody had your number or you just couldn't. Well, a lot of people it? had the number. I did. Um, we always did like Henrik Lundqvist a little bit, but we played them so much, so it wasn't like there were times where he scored or Carey Price, I guess. Like, like yeah. probably later, like we played Carey in the playoffs in like the first few years where we had success against them, but then after that, it was it was Carey Price, and then what was the third one? Just where where did you hate going to play? Oh, hate. And you can't uh, say Dallas because that's my that's my team. That's your team. <laughs> no, I like Dallas. I love that city. Um, so we played St. Louis when I was with the Kings in the playoffs. Um, 2012 for sure. I'm trying to remember if we did 2014 too. But anyways, in 2012, like both of us had like similar teams where like we were big, strong, like kind of fast. And we would just like beat the hell out of each other. Um, and that was those were always like tough, tough games. And then, it, like, because it was 2012, we beat them, but like that whole year, and then the next year we played them, and then like the next year they were good and we were good. So, like, yeah. it was just a running, and it was a tough building to play in. So, like, anytime you played there, you knew you were just going to kind of get beat up a bit. Like, right. Playing. So, it was, it was definitely like they were good games, but they like, you needed like ice bags after that one. Like it was <laughs> some big guys. I couldn't imagine. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I guess um, I mean we've we've ran pretty long here, over an hour now. So I just like to like just say like thanks a lot for jumping on. I mean, we messaged you on Instagram and it wasn't long for you to message back and you know agree to come onto the podcast and for somebody that's uh, has got a busy schedule and you know is retired from the professional life and stuff like that for you to jump on means a lot to us uh, me personally as well just to, as a hockey fan i get to ask a few questions it's, it's always fun but uh i'm gonna also extend the invitation if you're ever over by winnipeg and you want to go catch some greenbacks this winter or something look us up we'll, we'll take you out um, and yeah thanks a lot man I do, we really appreciate it yeah anytime no progress Okay, well, you take care of yourself and uh, good luck uh, going forward in the fishing world. And you never know, maybe we'll get you back on uh, in the next little while. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks. This is fun. Well, that was a great episode with Mike Richards. I enjoyed hearing about his uh, cup experience and what he got to do. That was that was really cool. Yeah, it was, uh... Uh, it's it's just one of those things where you're like, like I said in the podcast, like how could you make winning the Stanley Cup any cooler? I'll take a fishing. <laughs> you know, like, I'll just take a fishing. Right. Yeah, that'll that'll do her. Yep. Yep. Um, <clears throat> just a couple little, I guess, housekeeping things before we completely sign off here. I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So <clears throat> we mentioned on the last podcast there with Brett um, that we were participating in the November this year. We have a team set up on the November website. That's Panoramic Outdoors. Um, 
you know, we're raising money for, for men's health. That's what it's about. Yep. We're growing these caterpillars on our face and, you know, <laughs> trying to, trying to do our best to stay away from places <laughs> that make us look creepy, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> all, all kidding aside, you know, it's a really good cause that we're, that we're trying to, uh, to promote here. And, also to add on to any sort of donations that we collect or, or give out to to November, we're also taking two bucks from every sale for the mm-hmm. month of November from any of our merch from the store. So that's also going to you know to Movember in November. I keep trying to just say November, but uh, you know, like we said, great cause. We hope you guys want to participate in it. I think you can even join the team in some capacity. You'd have to check out on the on the website how to do that. And of course, follow on our Instagram or our socials. We'll be uh, posting more of the donation uh, tag and all of that good stuff with that. Yeah. <clears throat> and so like to kind of segue a little bit into the store, like to kind of go with the two bucks off every merch thing. We have tons of blaze orange hats and toques still. Um, we want you guys to be safe out there and look fashionable. So, you know, they, they don't dissolve after, uh, after this season, these things are good for the, uh, the upcoming seasons down the road. So go, uh, give us a look on the store. I think it's 30 bucks a hat or whatever. And, uh, yeah, they look pretty good, man. Yep. 30 bucks a hat. And I think $20 a toque. So there's, there's two different kinds of blazer, two different kinds of blaze hats and two different kinds of blaze toques. Uh, and then the other thing that uh, I just want to mention before we sign off for the evening is if you have been listening to the podcast for the past little while, you've listened to this great episode with NHL or Mike Richards. If you listen to our episode with country singer Brett Kissel or even the one before that with Upland Hunter uh, Rich Wong, if you've been enjoying these, it's free to go onto your podcasting platform and give us a little review or even write down a comment that really helps us with the algorithms and gets this podcast out to new people who would also love to hear all the different stories. So thanks a lot for tuning in and we will catch you in the next one. Bye.